In this episode, we're going to give you an auction masterclass. Most property buyers hate auctions, but stick with us because we're going to reveal some tips and tricks that could give you an inside edge. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about possibly my favourite property-related topic, auctions. <laughs> you should write a book, Veronica. Oh, and on that, oh. I have one. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. Now, there is so much psychology around the auction process, and we're going to share some insights with you that will help you see things clearer. Now, let's kick off with why and when auctions are most likely to be chosen as the method of sale. Now, hang on. What is a method of sale, Veronica? Quickly, let's go through that. Because I <laughs> what think what module that's do we cover this in the PACE course? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, in the in the course, in your first home buyer guide, we talk about different methods of sale and how to approach different methods of sale. We're talking just about auctions today. Method of sale is the way that the owner and the agent agree to market the property. It might be private treaty where they have an asking price or an offers over or a price range or um, make an offer. It might be a tender or for sale by public auction, which does not have a price, but in some states it might have a price guide. There you go. There is method of sale wrapped up in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs to do the whole 10-module pace course when you can get five-second wrap-up from Megan? (laughs) So why the question you were saying that we were going to kick off with was really about why and when auctions are most likely to be chosen. Now, Auctions are commonly chosen when there is lots of competition that sort of stands to reason, doesn't it, that in a hot market or a seller's market, as we often call it, when an owner is selling a property or an agent selling a property understands that there's going to be a lot of people fighting over it, that's perfect conditions for sending the property to auction. But it's not it's always because, the case. Let's, let's, let's talk about that, Veronica. I want to, sorry, I'm just going to keep picking your brain to share everything Go with everybody because <laughs> 
there is a process, isn't there? Auctions aren't just putting an ad up saying, come on auction day, you know, inspect the property, come on auction day and, and put your hand up. There is a really, really structured, methodical process that is actually being undertaken, a very psychological process that's actually mm-hmm. being undertaken when a property is advertised for auction, isn't there? Absolutely. And in fact, as a sales agent, when I was selling, I used to say to people that really the auction campaign isn't four weeks like most people think it is. It's a six-week campaign. And so the thing is that there's a pre-auction phase, there's the actual marketing phase, then there's the auction, and then there's a post-auction phase. So the pre-auction phase is very much around trying to gather some market intel on price so that they can then quote it at the appropriate level that's going to generate the most amount of competition so that then they hold the auction and all of those happy little buyers turn up and fight for it. And then it hopefully sells, hopefully for the agents and the and the vendors' point of view, sells and goes over reserve and sells at a crazy price. But it might not, which is why the post-auction period is very important because that's when if it doesn't sell, it will pass in and it will be then offered for sale at a price. And there's a period of time that, uh, that a well-run auction campaign will also mean that it's wrapped up within a very finite period of time after the auction date. So it's... it's a lot in that. There is. And let's go back to phase one. All right, let's talk about an owner has a property that they want to sell. They've bought in some agents and they've said to the agents, tell me about how you think I'm going to get the best price. Mm. What in this What in this phase is going on? So in this phase, there's this sort of little juggle that's going on, right? The owner wants usually more money than the agent thinks is possible. The agent usually thinks they know what it's will sell for, but they're a bit scared sometimes to tell the owner because they don't want to uh, insult the owner by not telling them enough money. So this Or is lose a- the listing, do they? Lose. They don't want to lose That's the exactly listing right. to another agent that tells the owner a, a different price, a higher yep. price. Yep. And so in a rising market, tightrope they walk at that point in time. Very fine because they don't want an out-of-control owner who's got some crazy price expectations they've got no hope in hell of getting um and they don't want to they don't want to manage that owner's expectations too tightly early on because too early that's exactly right so so that's a real balance and so they've got to go in there they've got to do their research but they've got to flatter the owner in in terms of how good the property is and how much how good i am as an agent that i can get more money than everybody else is all that stuff that goes on right so so the very fact is and this is where the quoting problem starts and in queensland there is no quoting problem because agents aren't allowed to quote but they would legislation says no price guidance whatsoever do not discuss price you can do one little thing, which we'll get to a little bit later. Yes. So there's there, and in in Victoria and New South Wales, uh, South Australia, Canberra, every every other area in which mm. there are auctions, there are, is legislation around how that property, that price guide, is to be given to buyers, and also how that measures up with what was told to the owner. And so those two things are meant to line up, but they don't. They're meant to. They're meant to. We've Mm. raced ahead. I want to go back to this this pre-bit. So the agent's talking to an owner. They want to sell their property. They want to get the most amount of money. The agent doesn't want to overquote or underquote, sorry, they don't want to overquote. Un- they don't want to overquote. <laughs> they, they don't want to overquote at that point in time, but they don't want to lose the listing. So it's a fine line, and and they get the the client to the seller to sign up to to list their property for auction, and and then it's full steam ahead. What 
what is the agent preparing for at that point in time and what what from a from a process point of view and from a from a psychological point of view what is this whole auction process about from the selling agent side of things from the this selling is important agent- to understand isn't it you have to understand Absolutely. what what's going on the selling agent is wanting to get to find either the buyer that is the strongest and will pay the highest amount of money um, and that may be identified prior to auction or to get them into a competitive situation at the auction so that that person rises to the top and pays more than everyone else. That's fundamentally what an auction is designed to do. So in that pre-session, that's that's really that that's that phase where the the dance starts between the owner and the agent. Mm. And then the agent will actually, once they've listed it, so there's certain requirements they have before they can actually tell buyers about it. Now, in New South Wales, they're meant to have a contract of sale and a signed agency agreement. Now, I know there's money involved in that, isn't there? Yeah, the owner has to spend some money getting a contract. Yes. Is a commitment. Yeah. Also, you can't buy it in New South Wales. You can't buy it without a contract. So that that's one of the reasons that they have to have a, a contract. Because I love this house. I want to buy this house, and I want to make a good offer, etc., etc., etc. Oh, sorry, you can't because there's no contract. Mm. And so then time goes on, and then perhaps other buyers can come in. And it's and you know I've been involved in this because because some agents don't do the right thing, but typically they will do the right thing, and typically they'll follow the legislation. Mm-hmm. So they do need to have those things in place. So once and in, depending on which state you're in, once they've got the agent, the, sorry, the owner signed up and they're committed to an auction campaign, they're obviously going to spend some money on marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that agents will do, a good agent at least, they'll start getting into their database and making sure that they're hot buyers, they're very active buyers, the ones that missed out on other auctions, the ones that they know are bursting at the seams to buy a property, they are going to let them know about this property and usually before the first open house and sometimes I'll actually get them through on pre on you know pre-opens etc cetera, etc cetera. and what they talk about then the course don't we we talk about being the squeaky wheel that gets the oil the one that the agent mm. thinks about when they list a new property that they're immediately going to talk to that get that you know you get that edge to get in there first and and get the opportunity um I digress but on you go <laughs> and they'll be wanting to get feedback from those people on price because they're the most qualified buyers. Now, mm. if they think that their guide is going to miss the mark, that's the time they're on straight back to their owner and they go, you know what, we need to actually have this at a lower price. It's unusual that they come in and say, oh, I need to put the guide up. On the odd occasion, <laughs> you'll get that. But um, most of the time it's, oh, you know, buyers are not responding very well to that guide. I think we need to, to revise it. And depending on which which jurisdiction they're in, they'll have to do various things in order to comply with the law mm-hmm. and then they'll adjust the guide and then they'll basically put that property out to market to the general marketplace where it's on all the websites and you've got open houses and they're bringing people through the door. And typically that, that period of time is a three-week period before. Want to talk about so- that guide, Veronica, that guide, mm. because I, I know that you and I, when we were real estate agents and, and we were trained as auction agents and, mm-hmm. and, and we, were, we were taught about this psychological process, there's a phrase that you have um, that I think is really important for people to understand because it helps you to understand how price guides are mostly set. And now what what, what is that phrase? <laughs> Quote it low, watch it go. Quote it high, watch it die. 
This is so important <laughs> to understand because what, what Veronica is saying there is that if an, if an agent or a price guide is too high, then buyers aren't going to see value in the property. They're not going to say, oh, wow, this, this is better than anything else I've seen in this kind of price range. So they won't engage in the auction process. If it's mm. low enough that that house looks like exceptionally good opportunity, value and buying to a buyer, then they'll engage in the auction process. They'll actually bring themselves into that emotional process of preparing for and getting ready to bid for an auction. So what? So that that's so important because some buyers just add 10% to the price guide and, and think that that's yeah. what's going to get it. You actually have to understand the prices to see if the price guide actually represents what the property might actually sell for. Yeah, and look, this is a, a very good point you raised there. A lot of buyers, particularly they've been around for long enough, they go, oh, well, the legislation says, and, and usually 10% is, is, a, is a figure that is used in a lot of legislation in various forms. But in New South Wales, for instance, it's like the legislation says that the the if a if an agent puts a price guide on an agency agreement, that the that have a range and the differential between the top of that range and the bottom of the range can't exceed ten percent. So, say for instance, they put a million dollars to one point one, you know, or nine hundred to nine ninety, or eight hundred to eight eighty, and so on. So, so most buyers after a period of time, they sort of get to work out. Oh yes, all agents underquote. Um, oh, it looks like they all underquote ten percent, right? The problem is that they don't all underquote to the same degree. And some make a habit of quoting as close they can to where they really think it should sit, where, you know, they really think that the prices will get to. Others will deliberately quote even less. You know, I've recently in a, in a hot market, I've had properties that have gone 50% over the guide. You know, 50%. And, and this, is, this is important because sometimes it's about the quoting range being wrong and that's called under-quoting. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. about the market taking the price yes. well, well, well above what actually was a reasonable quoted range. And and in some states, does the, is there legislation around um, the reserve price needing to be within the quoted range? I love this. In South Australia... The, it's, its legislation is that the reserve price can be no more than 10% over the guide. So that go. pins the owner, the vendor is also controlled by the legislation. Mm -hmm. So at the moment, say in New South Wales or, or Victoria, the vendor isn't controlled by that legislation. Mm -hmm. So the agent might put, say, $1 million to $1.1 million on the agency agreement. They may have all these comparable sales that may be relevant or not relevant, but, the, you know, they'll they have to justify it in some way, right? In Victoria, they've actually got to put forward a statement. They've actually got to submit a statement um, to the Office of Fair Trading. So there's, as I said, every state has various sort of ways in which they try to control this but the agent can go to an owner and say you know what i know you want 1.2 um but you know if i quote 1.1 uh that's going to scare buyers off because they're going to add you know, another 10 <laughs> yeah. percent and, and they're not going to want to compete that's so one two. I, yeah, 1 .1 I need two. to mm. quote one so we get lots and lots and lots of interest and we build the campaign and build as ma many people as possible in order to get you your 1.2 do you agree with me and the, the vendor says yeah fine they'll they'll fill in the uh instructions accordingly and they'll then go and quote 1 million in south australia if that conversation goes on between an agent and an owner the maximum the owner can set the 
the reserve at is 1.1. And Mm -hmm. the owner's not going to want to do that because I really want 1.2. So I think that legislation is probably the best legislation in the country, to be quite frank. Mm, Perhaps that's something we can lobby for in other states. Little tip, little tip. (laughs) Not being able to quote it all in Queensland. I think that's that's the other extreme. Oh, it makes it hard for buyers and and that's where you've got Mm. to be incredibly good at doing your price evaluation homework and um, and we do have that free course, of course, that people do. can do to, to evaluate price and how to arrive at pricing a property. Um, let's go back. Okay, so we've talked about uh, the pre-listing um, period, mm-hmm. the some of the conversations that go on between the agent and the owner in terms of quoting ranges and so forth. We've talked about the fact that it it does, from a, from a psychological point of view, um, benefit the owner to have a, a low quoted range which which kind of sounds counterintuitive but mm. when you understand that you know people are thinking well yeah it's going to go a little bit more the quoted range exactly. i've got to add a little bit um it still looks like pretty good value i'll, I'll engage in the, the the process so buyers then at that point they go and have a look at the property there's a large amount of work that you need to do between that first inspection and gee I like this and and the styling's beautiful and you know I can see the sky between that inspection and the actual auction date there's a huge amount of work to do apart from the due diligence let's just you know park that for the minute because all we're worrying about is what we pay for just, it just the auction at the moment time, the auction so yes there's all the due diligence Highly recommend you do the PACE course to learn everything that needs to be done. But the problem is that most buyers, when they go to auction, they'll sort of they they'll probably anchor their pricing um, or their price expectations along with whatever the agent's been quoting. And given that not all agents quote in a routinely same way, you know, that's very dangerous. And there's quite a lot of variation in terms of the outcomes versus what the agents are quoting. So that's the first thing. But but the other thing is that they, they anchor it to the what the agent is saying. Then they go in and they go in with what they hope they're going to be able to get it for yeah. rather than what they will pay for it, pushing them to shove. And um, you're... Dogs barking away, they're totally agreement. That's a terrible, terrible way to go to auction, right? <laughs> it's a silly Sorry, thing. Sorry, you know, we're, we're still doing the recording from home thing, you know. <laughs> we're doing this stuff from home. Um, so it, it's it's insane and it, it's not – most people do this without even realising how insane it is. I go to auctions and watch people bidding all the time and see how insane it is. You go hoping and so then people bid all very, very confidently up to mm. the point at which they hope that they're going to buy it. Mm. And then all of a sudden it goes over that and then they give the game away. They start looking at their, their partner and go, Ooh, oh, should we, should, we pay, should we do that? Should should we pay more? There's all these whispered the conversations. They're guessing themselves. And, and, and you just gave the game away. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's, there's a lot of different bidding strategies and a lot of ways to, to, to look at you know, body language and how you hide that and how you present yourself. So, so if someone's going up to an auction and and let's say it's a couple, so they've done their due diligence, they've done their price research because they've done the free mini course, they've spoken to their mortgage broker, they are they are as best they can approved to go to the auction, um, they've got their deposit saved. How, how are they going to have that conversation with each other to know what that number is on the day that they are going to go to and not have any regrets? Is You know, are there some tips that, you can sort of give people that they need to think about the days before the auction, not the morning of the auction. 
There's a whole chapter in the book, which is called Auction Ready, if anyone wants to know. And I'm just putting, for those of you watching the video, I'm holding up a, a picture of the book. I'll let you know now that if you want to go to getauctionready.com.au, use the code ACADEMY. You can get it for 30% off and free postage. Now, there's a whole chapter in there, but I'll summarise it very, very briefly for you now. A, you've got to understand where that property sits in relation to the rest of the market. And that's where our free mini course will help you you know, in a in a really really valuable way, so it's the right? Data based so, analysis. That's yes. the non emotional data based analysis. Yeah, that's your, totally your comparable. And then you've got analysis. to be thinking, you know, how unique does this? How uniquely does this property suit my needs? And how scarce is it? How often do they, do they come up? You know. Um, how long am I going to wait for another one? Like how far am I going to push myself? That's really the question you're asking mm. yourself at this mm. point. How far will I push myself to buy this one? And people often get to the point in a hot market like this and they and they think, and I hear this, so this is not just me making this up or I heard one person say it once. This is really common. They say, oh, it's so hot out there. I just have to pay whatever. And I say, okay, so what's your limit going to be? Oh, it, whatever I can get, like whatever my maximum. And I'm like, but is the so property you're saying worth your that maximum? they yeah that you're saying that they're setting their limit at the most amount of money they can pay as opposed to what, what they're prepared the to push themselves for for what the property's worth. Yeah. Mm, dangerous. And what it's worth to them. Very, very dangerous. And that's mm. a I've given up. That's it. I've given up. I have to mm. just throw the kitchen sink at it type mentality. Yep. Now look sometimes some properties are worth doing that for. Absolutely. Some properties are. But not every property. And it's not about giving up and just giving in. It's about mm. still staying the course and understanding which one should I do that for versus which one I shouldn't do that for. But a very handy question to keep asking each other, particularly if you're in a couple, it's like, well, it's the what if. What if it goes for 10 grand more? Mm. Such stick. a good question. You know, because the next morning and you go, you know what, I should just push myself 10 grand more. I could have done it. could have done it. And I didn't. That that is the worst regret because you could have right. So you need to have those conversations about what you could do if under pressure during auction. You know, will you want to? Will you clam up and stop bidding, which some people do, or will you go helpful at the way over your limit, like other mm. people do? Mm. I spoke to a journalist the other day, the other week, and she told me of a friend of hers who bid at $400,000 more than she was actually financed for. Now, obviously, it's in Sydney, so it's expensive property. I'm sorry, I just choked on my water. <laughs> yeah, 400000 over her actual approval plus a deposit, blah, 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 over what she could actually afford. The worst thing is she didn't actually buy the property, but the poor person who did buy the property got pushed up by somebody who was bidding with money they didn't have. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't have mm. the capacity to actually pay. Now, that, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a whole other topic is, is if you exceed your limit, what are the implications if you can't sell mm. the property? But that's another conversation. I yeah. want to go back to, you know, there's some some incredible things that we've seen in, in our, you know, 40-odd collective years in, in real <laughs> estate. <laughs> of, of what can happen if you don't get yourself sorted out before you actually stand up at the auction. And, and one of the things I think that we need to point out is, is there's generally two things that an agent or an auctioneer is looking for in buyers and, and two things they want to, to really um, bring out in buyers, and that is either the emotional bidder, the person who has fallen in love with the property, they have unpacked their suitcases, their furniture is mentally 
you know, all in there. They've moved in. Their friends are on the back deck having a barbecue and their kids are in the pool splashing around or they're enjoying that beautiful view off the balcony of the apartment. You know, that's the emotional buyer. And then there's the other buyer. It's it's often referred to as the, the ego buyer. And that's the person who is going to win at all costs. They often don't know that they're that person until they're put into a competitive situation with other people. Um, and they they are an interesting bidder to watch. I, I know that I've I've seen this this ego based bidder, you know, particularly in my own area. I, I saw mm. one last year where there was an, actually a very strong emotional bidder. It was a family that sold their family home. Um, daughter was there, mum was there, dad was doing the bidding, and the daughter had been promised a dog because they'd sold the family home and, you know, she was a bit upset and, look, we'll get this house and we'll get a dog. And then on the other side, literally standing across, looking at each other across the auction floor was the ego bidder. And he was a, a person who had money and he had um, capability and he had literally said to himself in his head, I will buy this at any price, no matter what it's worth. And I watched this auction, and there was a there was all, there was about 120 people at this auction, um, and 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 it just went. It was like a ping pong match, and 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 the and the wife starts crying, and the daughter starts crying, and the wife of the man that has the ego bidding, she starts crying because they're so far over the limit for this property that. But but he's going, I well, I can afford it, so I'm going to buy it, and uh, and it went about three hundred thousand dollars over reserve at a time when prices were not being pushed up. This, we're not talking about a seller's market at that point in time. It was just, and the auctioneer was extraordinary. The way that he was able to work those two buyers into their own psychological states of, of frenzy was incredible. So you need to think about yourself when you're a bidder. Are you perhaps going to have your, your ego buttons pushed or your emotional buttons pushed and get those in check or get someone else to do it for you? <laughs> yes. That's such an interesting story because you've got two very um, great stereotypes that mm -hmm. you see a lot at auction. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the, the emotional bidders, one of the most emotional, I hate it when I see a pregnant woman at an auction. Mm. Um, well, only because they're probably going to go nuts. And I remember, you know, in days gone by when There's I was- There's a time limit there, isn't there, when you're pregnant? Well, I was eight days off having my daughter and went to auction and I wasn't bidding. My ex was bidding and, and he was the- he was the ego bidder, I can tell you. He just was like, he even looked at, I said, you can, you can stop now. You can stop now. And he <laughs> so actually you were the voice at, of reason. He looked at me. We'd set two limits before going to the auction. I said one limit was like really and truly this is what it should sell for, but this is where we should push ourselves because of, you know, the particular property. Yep. He just went over that limit and and he just looked at me and says, I don't care. I know. I reckon that's a limit and I'm going to keep bidding. I'm going to push him to it and then I'm going to beat him. He said this to me beat in the middle them. of the auction. I'm like, beat I'm going to beat them. Yeah, That's it the became thing, a competition. If you think you want to beat somebody about a property, then you need to walk away. Check check your motivations. <laughs> and look, it turned out to be it was a lovely home. We renovated it and all that sort of stuff. But the reality was he was an ego bidder. And I was just like, this is before I became a buyer's agent, by the way, so when yeah. I was still a sales agent. Yeah. But, but, you know, the testosterone bidder is what we call the ego bidder. You know, so it's uh, it is that bit of a win at all cost. The, the value of the property is flows out the window. It's actually very difficult to compete with that. In fact, I'm mm. guessing the ego bidder bought the property. Yes, he did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. So it the is. emotional bidder just hung his head as his wife and child cried. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> 
went on to buy something else, something else at the right price. So it mm. actually worked out quite well for those people. Um, and, and the people that bought it are still sitting on some negative equity, but the market will yeah. pay for their mistake eventually. Look, I mean, and this is the problem. You can't go loggerheads with an ego bidder. You, you and it's even with the emotional bidder, but I watch auctions all the time, and there are ways in which these people give signs that they are stretching themselves and pushing mm. themselves. And there are tactically things that you can do at different points in the auction to try to shut them down. And, and, but most people don't do that in an auction because usually what happens, you start bidding big numbers and it gets sequential, you know, s- smaller and smaller until you're bidding in 1000s and 500s. And it's at that point you know, when you really need to step in and do something different to disrupt the rhythm and the flow and the momentum, which is what the auctioneer has been trying to achieve the whole time. And yes, um, yeah, because it is, it is, it's a, it, it is actually, um, it's a, it's, um, we talk about uh, when we start bidding in an auction and we, we'll may, maybe go into this a little bit more, but when we start bidding at an auction, we want to get rid of those lower end mm. bargain hunters, you know, just going to get emotionally involved and, and get the run on in the auction. We want to get rid of those with a bid that that is actually pretty genuine and is going to tell us who's real and who, who's going to be there for the end game. Um, I know you have different ways of doing your your auctions and how you start them off. That's how we do it. Um, but but there there is there is really three lots of buyers that agents want to gather and put in front of the auctioneer on the day, isn't there? There's bargain hunters who who will start things and get things moving along. And then there's the people who can probably afford the property, you know, in in the price range and, and they're going to get involved and they're going to get interested. But then there's the wood ducks who are the people that the agent <laughs> believes um, are coming along that have a budget above that if they think they can buy it at a bargain level in their mind, they will probably push the price up. So, it, you know, it's it's quite a game of gathering these bidders together from the agent's point of view to put them in competition with each other. you got to remember that agents are still, they're trying to guess what you're prepared to pay as well, mm. but they do have access to way more information than you do. You know, as an individual buyer, quite often buyers don't even know what they're prepared to pay. So how the hell would an agent know, <laughs> you know, point. because they, and then I can see it. They turned up to auction. I can tell that they did not expect to bid that high. I can see it. <laughs> and, um, and so the agent, all the agent wants to make sure is that there's certain levels, you know, that they're, they're testing buyers at a certain level. Okay, mm. good. I've got no resistance. Haven't lost too many. Well, I'm going to ratchet it up. And so there will be, there'll be the price guide and the underquoting. A good agent will actually still have conversations with you at different price points because they're trying to gauge exactly where the, where the majority of competition is going to be. And that way, if you get an agent that starts fishing around for a pre-auction offer, starting to suggest that you can buy it prior, then usually that means that you haven't given the negative signs around a price that everyone else has and they think you're the strongest buyer or they've only got one buyer on it and it's you. So if the Ooh, agent good is tip trying there. Can you just bring get, that? Can you just go over that again, Veronica? Because that's, that's a cracker. Indeed. A lot of uh, buyers, they want to avoid going to auction because they're fearful of auction. You know, it's competitive and it's nerve-wracking and all that sort of stuff, and it is. Um, and 
they don't want to miss out, right? So they want to avoid that that lot that fear of missing out. So in, in a different type of fear of missing out, <laughs> but they want to avoid that by making a pre-auction offer. So the agent knows that, and before the auction, there's all these smoke and mirrors. They're the only ones who know how many buyers are really interested. They're the only ones who know whether you're a standout buyer or not. And so if you have an agent that's using, and they will use clever dialogue as well, it won't often, it won't always be straight up. It yeah. will often be cloaked that someone else is talking about an offer if they do, are you in? And what they're trying to do then is flush out who is serious, right? And so at what level, aren't they? They are. And yeah. so so the thing is that if the agent's trying to fish for a pre-auction offer, you can be fairly confident they're not as confident as, as what's going to happen at auction. And if you're the one fishing for a pre-auction offer and the agent is resisting you and doesn't want to know about it, that's because you've got heaps of interest. And depending on where you are, if you put in a written offer, um, they're going to have to increase their quoting and they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so the pre-auction offer process is, is and as I said, there's a, whole, there's a whole chapter on that in the book because it's a process you need to go through um, to work out A, whether it's possible and B, whether you should and C, what your approach you need to take, what tactics you need to use if you're actually going to go down that path. And agents handle those things differently. So it's really mm-hmm. important to to have that close dialogue with the agent. I, I, I hear sometimes um, people who consider themselves property experts or those who've bought one or two properties sort of saying, hold your cards <laughs> close to your chest. Oh, we yes. cannot state more clearly that you have to talk to the agent a lot you have to make sure that they understand your level of interest because if someone comes in and makes an offer and you've said, I'm not interested, but you really are, they're not going to come back to you and you've only got yourself to blame. Um, they're not mind readers. They're not going to go back to, to the 100 people that have been through the property in four weeks. They're going to go back to the people who have actually indicated interest and have asked intelligent questions and made indications that they are interested in doing something there is so much in this and um, and it certainly goes beyond the capabilities of this podcast episode, but we just want you to be aware of this at a higher level. Mm. You know, if you are in an auction area, we highly encourage you, as I said, you can buy the book, that's that's a good start, but we highly encourage you to do the, the whole PACE course and you'll get a free book. How's that? Um, <laughs> because, because this is not for the faint-hearted. And let me tell you, these agents are clued up. These auctioneers are clued up. They're very heavily, practiced. Heavily They practiced, know what they're doing. Trying really well they know how to read people and behavior and and how to 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 do this process Mm. really well it doesn't mean you should not be a buyer in this process no one of our principles one of our home buyer academy um, home buying principles is don't let the process of the negotiation or the process of the purchase (laughs) interrupt you buying the right property at the right price so never ever discount a property just because it's going to auction all you need to do is educate yourself as to how to be in the best position to buy that property if you can buy it within your capabilities Um, and i guess that's what we're trying to you know share right now is you can put yourself in that position. You may not end up buying the property if someone else is prepared to pay an excessive amount of property in, in comparison to what it's paid, you know, what it's worth, mm. but you actually can put yourself in a really good position to bid at an auction. Also, you know, that this process that we encourage you to take, particularly with setting your limit, that really gives you the confidence to walk away. Yeah. You know, and, and walking is a powerful yes. thing, not in a huff, 
It's very empowering. It is absolutely, yeah. Yeah, not dejected because you just give up, you throw your hands in the air, but because you've actually approached it in a really methodical way and really, really backed yourself up with information and research and really thought it through and you decide to walk away instead of hooking horns with a bloody, an ego buyer, you know. Well, no, letting that ego buyer take yourself, take you past your limit. I think Mm. that's the thing. It's actually having the self-control. Yes. To go, I have thought this through, I followed a process and I feel incredibly comfortable with my decisions yes (laughs) (laughs) i do love it when you know i don't love it when our clients miss out on property but but certainly i do love it when the client when they have missed out and the client says you know what i was so comfortable that when you got to the limit and when there was another bid i was so comfortable at walking away at that price and i think that that's a sign of you know that's that's such power in that and and you know, actually, even recently, I bought a property. We actually bought this one prior, mm. but I've been to auction for a, for a particular client. They missed out. It's a very hot market, very competitive, and these 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 particular properties that we hadn't pushed him his budget for and hadn't pushed him on, um, they all had issues. And the one that he actually bought was the best of the lot, and he got it within his budget. You know, fabulous. There will be another one. How one. many times mm. do you say something? You know, to a, to a client. There will be another one. There yeah. always is. It just may, may, may take time, um, mm. but there will be different compromises and that's a really important thing. So I want to talk about, Veronica, mm. uh, in-rooms versus on-site auctions. Mm. These are two really different ways of, of actually auctioning a property and there, there's, there's a lot of reasons why agents choose in-rooms. That might be in private rooms or with, within an agency or, or a function centre or something like that. Um, it might be just a couple of auctions on one night or it might be a big gala. There might be dozens of auctions on the same day versus being on site where it's just the property, an auctioneer and the buyer specific to that property. They're really different environments, aren't they? Look, the in-rooms, to be honest, is I think more about the agent's efficiency than it is about the, you know, the best method of sale. I mean, as a bidder, I don't, I actually don't really like in-rooms as a bidder and I didn't like it as a seller either, as a vendor's agent. Um, it's much more of a process, but they will work the lineup. So if you've got 10 mm. auctions, for instance, the one that is first will set the tone. That's going to be a hot one. It's and usually the, the one that's going to go, yeah, you've yeah. got lots of bidders for and there's activity yeah, and energy around it. They'll bury the ones in the middle that aren't as hot. You know, they'll, they'll move through those really quickly. And the good thing about in rooms is that quite often they will actually move through them very fast. They won't drag them on in a way that will drag on on site. So there's a difference in the way the auctioneers behave. So we very much encourage you to go out there and mm. observe um, different auctioneers, different scenarios. And then on site, it's each one is its very own event. You know, it's there's everyone's there to see that property. Every usually every neighbour. <laughs> it was interesting during lockdown. You know, other because, agents. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! There's agents everywhere. You know that. Uh, but it was interesting during lockdown when only the people who were registered could actually go to an auction. That was fantastic. It was like right, <laughs> okay. okay I it was very real then, that. wasn't it? it? Was the other reason that sometimes properties go in rooms is if there's something about the property that the agent is concerned could interrupt the flow and the emotion of the auction process itself. Now that might be if there's a lot of <laughs> like, overhead like plane a noise. noisy neighbor. 
a no- noisy neighbour <laughs> who plays Metallica at odd hours. Um, it might be that it's close to a train line. The freight train might be coming through, at, you know, so th- there are reasons sometimes to just dig a little bit down underneath and say, oh, is there a reason that they don't want people here? Because the most emotion that an agent and an auctioneer can produce is actually on site by pointing to the property and saying, you want to be the person who has the keys at the end of this auction. You don't want to be getting in the car and going to the next open houses and, and you know, wishing that you'd been the one that bought it. So that emotion that can be created in sitting in front of a house or standing in front of a house and actually saying this could be yours is much stronger unless there's a there's something that could interrupt that emotion. So, you know, sometimes that's, that's worth having a look at when you're there at the property too. There's a little bit of insight. Yes. <laughs> um, bidding oh, tactics, dear. Veronica. And then there's one of our favourites. Bidding tactics. Bidding tactics. One. There are so many different <laughs> things that you can do and 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 I think that um, one of the things that's really, really, really good in the book that you talk about and certainly in the course we talk about a lot is going to a lot of auctions because you start mm. to see what other people do do, what works, what doesn't work, how auctioneers work, how they interact, what conversations go on when bidding stops. You know, these are such important things to understand because if you're the person who's going to have the conversation during, you know, reserve hasn't been reached and they want to talk, negotiate between a buyer and a seller, you need to understand what's going on there and how to use that to your advantage. So, what are some of the key bidding tactics that people need to be aware of, both in terms of their competition and how they could and couldn't behave themselves or shouldn't behave themselves? I think the thing that um, all buyers need to understand is that there's no one size fits all. Mm. You know, I've got a whole toolbox of bidding tactics that I will use when I go to an auction and, and the reason I will always go with a hypothesis of what I think is going to play out and how I'm going to respond to that, but I also have plan B and plan C. Now, I can do that because I bid at probably thousands of auctions now. I think we might even, no, maybe not thousands, but hundreds and hundreds of auctions I've bid at. Well, you've, you've at. probably bought um, somewhere around six or 700 properties and majority of those in Sydney are auctions and you don't buy everything. So I reckon you're up there in the thousands. No, I could be up there. I could be up there, yeah. yeah. And or even just being at, at, at That's you know, true. Yeah. auctions. Observation is so, really important, isn't it, learning? Massively. And so there are times where the knockout bid is a classic and that is that's a, <laughs> it's a brave bid. That's not for the faint-hearted. That's someone who understands the value and has a good sense of the competition, right? So the knockout bid. So carefully calibrated can be a, a very, very powerful way to bid. Um and, and most a little agents bit more about that. Just tell, tell you that's tell, the way. Tell us about the knockout bid. Do you do it at the start? Do you do it in the middle? Do you wait until the end? I've seen someone well, really stab themselves in the toe doing it yeah. at the end. Yeah, well, you don't wait too late to do the knockout bid, put, put it this way. The reason you you do a knockout bid is to knock everyone out. What's the point of waiting too long? So mm-hmm. so often it's the opening bid, and usually if there's a decent bottle of champagne, I'll make a big show. Yes, I'll have that <laughs> bottle of Maui, thank you very much. Um, the opening and bid I have champagne. Heckled. Yeah, I have heckled um, auctioneer who had a cheap bottle of fizz and I'm like, that's too cheap. I'm not giving you an opening bid because you don't have a better bottle of <laughs> Yeah, but you can Why do not, that I because you, you have you know, that ability to, to, to break the ice, really, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Most bidders, let's, I, I understand, probably won't have that same level of confidence that I've got. But the knockout bid, to be most effective, is usually the opening bid and it's usually 
designed to go, you want them to, oh, my God, oh, dear. You know, the worst thing to happen after an opening bid like that, a knockout bid, is that nobody bids. That's really horrible. You think, shit, I just... Maybe I went a bit high. That uh, it doesn't happen very often that nobody bids. Usually, it leaves one other person ready it's, to it's, bid. It's now, that fine line, isn't it? It's that fine line between very. Fine. You know, I, I guess Veronica, the thing about the opening bid, if it's too high, the vendor doesn't see that there has been competition to get to that point, and they they may actually question if it hasn't reached reserves. They may question whether they've got the best out of the market. Um, mm. So a big part of what we do is making sure that the vendor, if their reserve is too high, the vendor will come down because they've seen that this is the best they can get out of the market. So the opening bid, if it is a knockout bid, you still need another bidder against you for a little bit so that they can see, well, you did squeeze every dollar out of the market agent. And okay, if I've got to lower my reserve in order to get it sold, then I can see that this is the best. So it's, it's a really fine line finding how to knock most people out but keep somebody with you so that the vendor, if you have to adjust their expectations and their reserve, and that's a whole that's a whole another topic. I mean, there's so much going there, on with that yes. conversation. But it's important that there they are, do see, is. yeah, that, that they have actually reached the best outcome. Otherwise, you may not get a reserve adjustment during the auction um, itself. I think. I think what you're um, what you're referring to there is really one really, 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 really good reason why if you hired a buyer's agent that has really good auction experience, you're going to be streets ahead of everybody else because <laughs> all the weird stuff that happens. You think, well, you know, in the 20 years, oh yes, that did happen once, or something like yeah. that happened once, and you know, and we have these uh, opportunities to to understand what to do next. However, next best thing, it's of the course, bag of tricks, you do the right? You talked course, about but- <laughs> it, yeah, but, well, yeah, exactly. But but you talked about it. It's having a bag of tricks, and you collect that, that bag of tricks over a period of time because you see all these bizarre things that happen. Um, exactly. Exactly, you know, the, and bizarre stuff does happen at auction. Yeah, yeah, and how to manage like, it and how to how, how to work with it. Mm, like people that bid after the hammer's fallen. <laughs> yeah, that in like they're trying to play months. games. Yeah, I yeah. remember standing at an auction and I actually wasn't bidding at it, um, but I, I was interested because it was a neighbouring property to some others that we've purchased. So I was a bit interested in 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 the outcome, and and this this family set themselves up in the middle. It was a beautiful backyard with a north facing rear. It was a Queensland around six hundred square meters, about eight eight and a half kilometres from the CBD, family sort of, you know, first home buyer kind of area. And and this guy set his family up and the child was on the picnic blanket and his wife and they were playing and they had their back to the auctioneer. This is all while the auction's going on. It was classical game, game playing. <laughs> and and the auctioneer, there was bidding here and bidding there and it was quite active. And, 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 and then as the auctioneer, who who actually taught he he was the auctioneer who taught me as an as an agent on on auction strategy and and how to conduct auctions he was calling very experienced man calling first second he'd already called on the market it was clearly selling first second third call bought down the hammer at the point that the hammer hit the the piece of paper which is usually the contract you know whack it on the contract <laughs> um he called a bid his first bid his only bid and it was after the fall of the hammer. And oh he tried to argue that, in fact, he'd done it before the hammer had fallen. 
and and it, it clearly wasn't. And luckily, my most um, auctions are recorded these days, so it's very mm. easy to rewind and say sorry. But so his wife was in hysterics because mm. he had tried to be so clever and so smart that he'd lost them the property, obviously for a price that they would have paid. So you can be too tricky. You can be too tricky in this process. You have to mm. be somewhat forthright but fairly open and prepared to buy the property in a way that is going to get you the property at the auction. You, you just can't play games that uh, are going to lose you an opportunity. You've ever heard that saying, never kid a kidder. So <laughs> the guy's trying to play games, your real estate agents and auctioneers. Are Far playing, more experienced. Run rings around him. Mm. Oh, God, I wonder if they're still married. I don't know. Oops. They certainly weren't going to be having a cup of tea that nice, night together. <laughs> not a nice drive home. Not a nice drive home. <laughs> so, look, let's face it, not all auctions actually sell under the hammer, though, do they? Mm. I mean, then there's there's those that do pass in and there's an opportunity to negotiate um, after the auction. The problem, one of the benefits for the, of auctions for buyers is transparency, and that is that it's all out in the open. All mm. you know, all bets are off. This is this is no more smoke and mirrors. Although there's a fair amount of you know stuff that goes on, it's transparent. Um, but if it passes in, a lot of auctioneers will say, oh, "Look, you have the first right of refusal." But what they mean is at the reserve price. And so there's no actual law that says that the highest bidder is the only one that can make an offer after the auction. And so I think buyers have to understand that, that it's a it's a courtesy, not a right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the time, yes, if you're the highest bidder, you probably will negotiate a deal and, you know, if anyone's going to buy, it's probably going to be you, but not always. And, you know, I certainly, um, you know, I remember one particular auction that when I was a sales agent where, you know, these buyers, they just were mucking you around, they wouldn't bid, they were being a real pain in the neck. Two of them went off to different auctions later on that day and one of them met up with a friend to go to one and then the friend said, I don't know why you didn't buy the first house. It's way better than this one. Mm -hmm. And so she called me and said, I want to make an offer on that house. I went, okay, great. So, you know, think let's get things moving. Another buyer did something similar at another auction. They missed out on the other auction and they decided they should have bid on this one. So I then in the afternoon had two people making offers on this house and both of them on the telephone and they had no idea what the other people had it's offered. Blind, I just kept going. I went to each blind. one and said, right, you got to give me 10 more. You give me 10 more. You give me 10 more. Okay, give me 20 more. <laughs> you know, they didn't, they wouldn't know whether yeah. I was continuing to push them and there's no other buyer there even. I mean, yeah. I didn't, you know, there was, and we exhausted and we got to the the one that was prepared to go to the highest price and we, and we, uh, we sold it to them. And that's the agent's and that job. Happened the that's the agent's job is to do that. But yep. If you can't see what the other person's doing, and that's the that's the beauty of an auction from the buyer's point of view, is you can see exactly what the other yep. person is doing, and you can pay five hundred dollars more as long as you're within your limit. Mm. So, look, the reality is that some sell on the day of the auction afterwards, and in different um, states and territories, you've got different um, laws around whether it's still under auction conditions. So, like in Victoria, for instance, you've got three days before or after the auction mm -hmm. to still buy unconditionally under auction conditions. In New South Wales, it's up to midnight on the day of the auction. Um, what, what is it in Queensland? Same, yep. Yeah. So so there's a certain period of time we can buy under auction conditions and that's, as a buyer, that's in your advantage. That's to your advantage that that vendor gets an unconditional sale. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, so so knowing that is very important, but also it might be that, you know, that owner is outrageous on in their price expectations and, and it and it comes on the market next week at a price and it might still be crazy and high and or it might they might drop it and then it might actually put on a reasonable price and all of a sudden there's people actually fighting over it the week after. All sorts of things can happen mm. even afterwards. Yeah. So um you know, there's there's lots of different ways to to buy a property, and you, this is where it's important to know value and not get your ego in the way. You know, if you want to buy that property, keep your eye on the big the big picture. The big picture is you want to buy it, and you know what price you and prepared. you know what you're prepared to go to. Yeah, keep your ego in check and keep your emotions in check. And if you can't, get someone else to do it for you who mm. is a professional, not mum and dad, not your colleague, not your brother that bought their first house last week. Get a professional <laughs> to do it who knows what they're looking at and what they're doing. Also, get Veronica's book, do yeah. the course, Your First Home Buyer Guide, um, and at a minimum, make sure that you price the property correctly. So I've got a free course that you can do to price uh, around pricing the property. So a lot, a lot of stuff to take away in here, Veronica. Some incredible tips based on your experience, and and you know, um, there's a lot less auctions that happen in Queensland. There's no doubt about it. Um, but Sydney is a really auction oriented marketplace. I personally love bidding at auctions because I can see what everyone else is doing. I think it's a wonderful way to be a buyer and have transparency. I can also negotiate if I need to during that auction process, if I need to get the owner down in in, in their reserves. And there's some really good tactics that you have in your book that, that talks mm. about that. Um, so I guess if we were going to wrap up, what what would you... What do you say to someone who sees what they think is their ideal property, come on to realestate.com or the agent rings them because they've been doing the right things and they've been talking to the agent and they're actively involved and they're, they're, they're the first one the agent thinks of and it's going to be for auction. What are they going to do next? Go and inspect it. <laughs> but, look, in all seriousness, the decision to buy is one, but... Don't ignore it, right? Don't ignore it just because don't it's Don't ignore it. Go and have a look at it. But also understand that if the pro if the property is being priced and say your limit is, say, $750,000 and say the guide is $750,000, it's 99.9% .9 not going to be in your budget. So understand that the price guide is a clue to you as to whether it's going to be within your budget. That's the first thing. The second thing is you still need to go and do the exercise of pricing that property if you go and inspect it and you think it is going to be in your budget and you think you like it. Great advice. That's All probably right. what I would say. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, before we wrap up this episode, there's one last thing because this is released on a Wednesday and this coming Saturday, June 19th, 2021, so I'm sorry if you waited to listen to this, we have our first, it's a bit sad that we've got halfway through a year, but it's our first live workshop of 2021 where we are running the Stepping Stone Strategy Workshop. And this is live. You get to, you are the first people to get this content, to learn these tech, these tactics, uh, this strategy. There's, you know, there's, there's strategy within a strategy actually. And also, if you come along to the live workshop, you get loads of opportunity to ask loads of questions. These workshops are $99 for the live ones. We only do them every few months mm -hmm. and I'm a bit embarrassed to say it's taken us six months since the last one. And have been busy this, recording the course, Veronica, and getting a podcast up and running. Busy, 
We have. We've been very busy. Uh, so we've only got a few days if you want to join us. The link is in the show notes. It's homebuyeracademy.com.au forward slash SSW, but the link's in the show notes. 99 bucks. Learn about the stepping stone strategy. And that basically is about learning how to buy your first property to make sure that your dream home in the future is possible. If you can't afford it today, there are ways to get there, but you need to take the right steps in the right order. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.